Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Tonight, the U.S. military announces its battle plan to get an approved vaccine to Americans. This, with just one week until Thanksgiving, the CDC tells Americans to stay home and not travel. The new guidance tonight, cancel your plans to celebrate Thanksgiving with friends and family. And so what does that mean for college students who want to come home for the holidays? Racing to a cure, the breaking news, Pfizer will apply for authorization tomorrow. As the military says, once approved, it can distribute a vaccine nationwide within 24 hours. And AstraZeneca says its vaccine looks especially promising for the elderly. Hospitalizations up more than 100 percent. This hospital in Nevada using a parking garage as overflow space for patients as more than one in five hospitals don't have enough nurses and doctors. School closing chaos. Protests over the return to remote learning in the nation's largest school district. Education is a right and dining is not at all. The terrible toll tonight on low-income families. As President Trump loses more of his legal challenges, the strong words tonight from President-elect Joe Biden. He will go down in history as being one of the most irresponsible presidents. Plus, the man once known as America's mayor peddles election conspiracies in a bizarre news conference. Breaking his silence, Prince William speaks for the first time about his late mother's bombshell interview 25 years ago. And music may be the best medicine. Tonight, the remarkable way one patient is saluting frontline workers from his hospital bed. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with breaking news tonight. The CDC says the spread of coronavirus is now so out of control, Americans should cancel their Thanksgiving plans and not travel at all for the holiday. In a blunt and ominous warning, the government's top health protection agency now says ignoring those warnings and holding gatherings could lead directly to family members 
dying from COVID-19. California's governor says things are so dire there. Starting Saturday, he's issuing a mandatory order requiring nearly everyone in his state to stay in their homes overnight. At the same time as we come on the air tonight, there is breaking news from the White House Coronavirus Task Force, and it is very hopeful. Moments ago, Vice President Pence told reporters that the drug company Pfizer will apply for emergency authorization for its vaccine tomorrow morning. And the Army general in charge of distributing that vaccine said as soon as it's approved, millions of doses will ship out across the country within 24 hours. Well, tonight, the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, is calling on Americans to stay vigilant until the shots are widely available. So there's a lot of dramatic new headlines you and your family will want to hear tonight. And our team of correspondents is standing by to cover them all. CBS's Chris Van Cleve is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Dulles International Airport in Virginia. Good evening, Chris. Nora, that urgent warning not to travel comes as as many as 50 million Americans are preparing to do just that, travel for Thanksgiving. The CDC is urging anybody who hasn't been home for 14 days, including college students coming from campus, not to participate in Thanksgiving plans unless they have already quarantined. And this is really a call to action for every American to increase their vigilance. Late today, the White House Coronavirus Task Force held their first briefing since July, announcing vaccines are ready to ship. EUA comes. 24 hours later, vaccines will be distributed out to the American people and be ready for administration. Pfizer could seek that emergency approval from the FDA for its coronavirus vaccine as soon as tomorrow. Moderna may not be far behind. And today, Oxford AstraZeneca researchers announced their vaccine appears to be effective in older adults, making it the third to show promise. The process of the speed did not compromise at all safety nor did it compromise scientific integrity. It was a reflection of the extraordinary scientific advances. That as New York City shut the doors of the nation's largest school system, closed for the first full day in months. We will bring our schools back, but we're going to have to reset the equation. We have been safe. We are fight back this second wave. In California, health officials say they are facing the most dire moment since the pandemic began, ordering most non-essential work, movement and gatherings to stop between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. starting Saturday. In Washington, D.C., all Smithsonian museums will be shuttered beginning Monday. And across the country, cases continue to rise in 49 states. We're engaged in a war against this infectious disease. The Reese family decided to fly to Dallas despite the calls not to travel. Well, we had plans and uh, we feel that we can take precautions and go see family. And we understand what CDC is. There's always risk and we just mitigate our risks as best we can. Just this morning, Southwest Airlines told us while they are seeing an increase in cancellations, so far that's been outpaced by the number of new bookings. That could be a sign that many Americans plan to go ahead and travel for Thanksgiving anyway. Nora. Chris Van Cleve, thank you. COVID hospitalizations nationwide are up more than 100% in the last month. Rural hospitals in particular are at a tipping point. Nearly 20% of Americans rely on them. And tonight, CBS's Carter Evans takes us inside a hospital in Rupert, Idaho, that's bracing for an onslaught of COVID patients. COVID is now ravaging rural America. Today, we got a firsthand look inside a small Idaho hospital, Minidoka Memorial, with just 17 beds and a staff overwhelmed. Super exhausting. 
You, you, you know, you leave here tired. You might even start your shift out tired. This hospital doesn't have an ICU, but there are three beds now for COVID patients. This 85-year-old man is infected and struggling to speak. He's pretty weak, and that's one of the common symptoms for a lot of people. Large cities initially bore the brunt of the pandemic, and while COVID cases are increasing again, nowhere are they rising faster than rural areas. In Idaho, one out of every four COVID tests come back positive, but many here still refuse to wear masks. Everything you do is based on the mask and the disease, and it's wrong. When you see people not protecting themselves, what do you think? You know, we probably will see them someday. The impact is being felt nationwide. It's relentless. It's day after day. Um, it really takes a toll. A hospital in Topeka, Kansas, so overrun with COVID patients that some are being kept in hallways and waiting rooms until an ICU bed becomes available. The Mayo Clinic is now reporting more than 900 staff members infected with COVID just in the past two weeks. In Reno, Nevada, these beds are in a hospital parking garage. By tonight, as many as 40 COVID patients will be housed here. The toll is grim. Ten members of this Ohio family are infected with COVID. Deanna Gibson just buried her husband, Ben. He beat all these health battles and then COVID killed him. Back in Idaho, the fear is that the worst is about to hit. Is there a possibility that all your beds could fill up? So I do see that going to happen, yes. I yeah. do see it will fill up fast. Now, when they get a critical patient here, they already have to transfer them to other hospitals in the state. So what happens when those hospitals are full? Well, at that point, doctors will have to decide who gets a bed. And the chief medical officer at Idaho's biggest hospital tells me that could happen within two weeks. Nora? Carter Evans, thank you. Today, President Trump was handed two more legal defeats, this time in Pennsylvania and Arizona, in his last-ditch effort to challenge the election in court. Well, now the president is shifting tactics as he attempts to cast doubt on the results. CBS's Paula Reed reports tonight from the White House. With courtroom losses piling up, President Trump is trying a new approach in his fight to overturn the election, personal political pressure. He's called Republican legislators from Michigan to the White House tomorrow to persuade them to intervene after Wayne County Republicans failed to block Joe Biden's win earlier this week. Joe Biden won the state of Michigan by over 150,000 votes. Michigan's Democratic governor Gretchen Whitmer said the president needs to realize the election is over. Stop spending energy to mislead about what happened in this election. The Trump campaign had tried to block the Michigan election results in court, but withdrew that suit today, leaving their record on legal challenges nationwide almost entirely without success. It's really easy to make unsupported, wild conspiracy claims in parking lots, at press conferences, um, on Twitter and social media. It's really hard to support those claims in court when those claims fall under scrutiny. And in every single case, those claims have failed. Numerous legal setbacks aren't stopping the president's campaign team from pursuing and promoting false claims of fraud. I know crimes. I can smell them. It's enough to overturn any election. It's disgraceful what happened. Rudy Giuliani presented no evidence to back up his allegations. And there are other aspects of this fraud that at this point I really can't reveal. The country's former top election security official, Chris Krebs, fired by President Trump on Tuesday, 
called today's press conference the most dangerous hour and 45 minutes of television in American history and possibly the craziest. Those two Republican legislators coming from Michigan to visit the White House tomorrow and talk with President Trump, well, they've both previously said they will not try to overturn Biden's victory in their state. Nora. Paula Reed, thank you. Tonight, President-elect Joe Biden is ruling out an economic shutdown after he takes office despite the COVID surge. Mr. Biden spent the day working on plans to fight the pandemic and trying to work around President Trump's refusal to share vital information. CBS's Ed O'Keefe reports tonight from Wilmington, Delaware. President-elect Joe Biden urged President Trump today to open up access to federal agencies so his team is ready to fight the pandemic head on. No excuse not to share the data and let us begin to plan. Because on day one, it's going to take us time if we don't have access to all this data. Mr. Biden was asked what he thinks Americans are witnessing as the president continues to contest the election and hold up his transition. Let me choose my words here. Uh, I think they're witnessing incredible irresponsibility, incredibly damaging messages being sent to the rest of the world about how democracy functions. One key item the Biden team is seeking information on, the president's plan to distribute a vaccine. Connecticut Democratic Senator Chris Murphy said today the administration would not brief Mr. Biden, calling it potentially catastrophic. The president-elect met with a bipartisan group of governors today to get their read on the plan and what resources they need. My transition team hasn't been able to get access to information we need to be able to deal with everything from testing and guidance to the all-important issue of vaccines, distributions. And the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, warned that the political climate and lack of coordination could make it even harder to control the pandemic. I've served six uh, administrations and I've been doing this as the director of the Institute for 36 years. And, and I've never seen a situation in which a public health issue has been thrust into divisiveness. Pressure is mounting on the administration to stop blocking the transition. The head of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, who supported President Trump's agenda, said the administration should not delay the transition a moment longer. And some on Wall Street also want to move on. We need a peaceful transition. We had an election. We have a new president. We should have unity to that. And as Pfizer continues working with the Trump administration on its COVID-19 vaccine, aides to Mr. Biden and officials with the pharmaceutical giant confirm they're also in talks about the plans. A company spokeswoman says that's because, quote, there's absolutely no room for politics in this process. Nora. Ed O'Keefe, thank you. Today, thousands of parents of New York City school children sent a petition to the city's mayor and the state's governor demanding that the nation's largest school system reopen immediately for in-person learning. Public schools were abruptly closed after the city hit a threshold 3 percent of COVID tests now coming back positive. We get more now from CBS's Meg Oliver. There was anger on the steps of New York City Hall, parents demanding schools reopen for in-person learning. The shutdown sent parents of some 300,000 students scrambling Wednesday night. I'm very frustrated. Sally Begbaiva had only hours. The pharmacist leaves for work every morning at 5 a.m. Do you have enough time to prepare for all remote? No. Honestly, uh, all the burden, I believe, it's on my husband. What do you think you're going to miss the most about school? The teacher and the seeing friends in real life. 
Dr. Uche Blackstock has treated thousands of COVID patients and has two boys in New York City public schools. Is it safe to send students back to school in New York City? I do think right now it is safe. They're going back in smaller cohorts. They're wearing masks, as are the teachers. The struggle stretches across the country. Nationwide, more than 40 percent of students are currently attending schools that are virtual only. We're not out on the street, so I can say that's better. Uh, it's still hard. But Especially for parents for like Miss Dennis, who didn't want us to use her first name. She and her three children are homeless, living in the Apostles Shelter in Newark, New Jersey. With a spotty internet connection, remote learning is nearly impossible. They have their moments. Sometimes they break down and this, you know, this, this is not ideal. It's not ideal for anyone. It's difficult because to move forward, you have to work. But with remote learning, it's difficult for me to work because I don't have anybody to watch mm-hmm. the kids. Here in New York City, they haven't announced a date when schools will reopen for in-person learning, raising concerns that more students will get left behind. As of tonight, about 60,000 students don't have devices for remote learning. Nora. Shocking. All right, Meg Oliver, thank you. It was the interview that changed the royal family. 25 years ago, Princess Diana told the BBC some of her deepest secrets. Now Prince William is breaking his silence. Here's CBS's Roxana Saberi. Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. In 1995, Princess Diana stunned the world when she detailed her failing marriage with Prince Charles and admitted to her own affair with a British officer. Were you unfaithful? Yes, I adored him. Now, for the first time, Diana's elder son, Prince William, is commenting on the explosive interview, calling a new independent investigation into how it was secured a step in the right direction. The BBC ordered the review after Diana's brother, Earl Spencer, renewed claims that Martin Bashir, the journalist who did the interview, produced fake documents to win his family's trust. Very soon after that interview, the Queen instructed Charles and Diana to divorce. So it set in chain a series of events that ultimately some people could argue led to Diana's death. The BBC says Bashir is now unavailable for comment as he recovers from heart surgery and COVID-19. Roxana Saberi, CBS News, London. In a time when our healthcare professionals are overwhelmed, one patient in Utah showed his appreciation in a unique way. Here's CBS's Chip Reed. COVID patient Grover Wilhelmson's request from his ICU bed was one his medical team probably had never heard before. Intubated and unable to speak at Intermountain Healthcare's McKay D. Hospital last month, the retired music teacher used paper and pen to ask if his wife Diana could bring his violin so he could play as a thank you to the doctors and nurses. Was he speaking through that violin? That was the only way he could speak. And he let the violin do the talking for him because he couldn't talk himself. He wrote the note to nurse Sierra Sassy. What was your reaction when you first heard him play? I cried. <laughs> she was so inspired, she piped the music into the hallway so her colleagues could hear. How important was it to you that he did this for you? One of my coworkers described it as, um, you know, a light in the COVID darkness, which I think is perfect. She says he played his heart out and it touched hers. This is something that will follow me for the rest of my career. 
Sometimes music is the very best medicine for the patients and those who heal. Chip Reed, CBS News, Washington. And we are so grateful to all of our nurses and healthcare workers. And on tomorrow's CBS Evening News, what should we be thankful for this year? Steve Hartman has some ideas with a little help from his kids. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. Stay positive, test negative. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com.